0: Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be in the 8th chapter as well as as in the ninth chapter, and so I want you just to kind of hold those places and uh, we'll be going between each of those chapters in Second Corinthians. Uh, today we're beginning our series on taking God at His word and we're talking about experiencing the power of giving. Isaiah 55 and 9 through 11 is going to be our series text and this is what it reads. It says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now that's a good word this morning. We want everybody in this place to experience the power that is released through giving. Here's the thing. When we read this passage of Scripture in in verse 11, we understand this, this principle that we can take God at His word. That if God says something, that He will do it. He's been true and He's been honest and He's been faithful throughout the entirety of our lives. You can't find a place where God has went back on His Word and it truly be the case. God has never failed you. God will never fail you. And if it's something that He provides for us in His Word, then we must understand that there's a power in the blessing. There's a power in the faithfulness of releasing the blessing into our lives. You can take God at His Word. If He says He will do something, He will do it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. It makes me uncomfortable to preach on giving. I was telling our prayer team this morning that I've preached three times in four years on giving prior to this series. Why, Pastor? Well, because there's a lot of things that are said about a pastor that preaches on giving. I mean, I, I, I've heard them. Well, there's another preacher up there talking about giving. Good Lord. Another preacher. wanting our, Listen. I'm not preaching to you so that I can get something from you. You need to hear that, and that's, because that's the truth. I'm not preaching to get something from you. I'm preaching to get something to you. I'm preaching to help you get something in your life that will help you and release blessings upon you. It's true. It's true. Uh, this is what I believe. And this is what I believe to be the absolute truth, that if you can learn to release your finances into the hands of the Lord and trust Him in that area of your life, which is difficult to do. It's a challenge. It's probably one of the most difficult areas to truly trust the Lord in. But if you can learn to do that, that you will experience peace through obedience, and that is very freeing and liberating. There's a lot of people in this room today that would say to me, if we were in a private conversation, you would say, I need some peace in my life. Well, listen, this is one area that I'm going to teach you on how to get some peace in your life because there's nothing that causes more difficulty, nothing causes more conflict, more challenges, nothing causes more conflict in your marriage than financial challenges. It is a top cause of divorce and therefore it's a top cause of you not having peace. Amen? I mean, if your wife is angry at you or your husband is angry at you, you don't have peace. Praise God. You're struggling to find peace. Amen? So if we can help in this area, then pastor's done you good today. Amen? God's promise to us is that if we will honor him through giving a tithe to him, he will bless us and protect us from the enemy. That's his promise. I want that enough for you that I'm willing to preach this message even though it makes me uncomfortable. I'm willing to to, to want that enough for you that I'm trying to teach you some principles that will release that into your life. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to read the book that we gave out to everybody. If you, by chance, have not received one in your family, we have one for each family. If you haven't, I'll give you one after service. But we're asking you to take that book, to read through it each week, to talk about it with your family, and pray for your finances and financial challenges together. And let's get the most out of what God has for us during this series. And so we're just inviting you all to kind of journey with us. And so today, as I begin that series, I want to preach to you, what's your motive? What's your motive? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. For the worship, we thank you, God, for everything that you're setting the stage for today and in the weeks to come. We believe good things are being released into your people's lives, God, so that they can be blessed and in turn be a blessing to others. God, you said in your word that we are blessed to be a blessing. We we receive so that we can release back into the kingdom and to other people's lives the blessings that you have given us. And so, Father, that process we want to be instilled in each and every one of us today. And Lord, in the weeks to come, Lord, just begin to unfold before us principles that help us to understand what will release peace and blessing into our life. And we, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you this question. What is your motive behind giving or even not giving? Think about it. What is your motive behind giving or... Or not giving? This is an important and crucial question because if our motive for giving or not giving doesn't align with God's word, the power of His promise cannot be released in our lives. We have to align ourselves. Do you understand that if we don't align ourselves with what God is saying to us through His word and what God is trying to do for us through His word, that we can't receive His blessing and connection that we need for His life. His life-giving flow is not released in our life if we're not connected to Him but through obedience and following His word. And so we want that. And so what I'm saying is if if it doesn't align with God's Word, we have to think about it. We have to come back and evaluate that. When that happens, when we're doing something that doesn't align with God's Word or we're not doing something that, that should align with God's Word, then there's some frustration that takes place as a result of that. We find ourselves in a position where we're at odds, essentially, with, with God. And I don't mean that He's mad at you. I don't mean that He's frustrated with you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about aligning ourselves to the point that His, His blessing can flow freely into our lives from Him. We want to be in alignment with our Father. And aligning ourselves with the Father is getting ourselves grounded and and rooted in the Word of God and doing what God asks us to do. God, listen, God doesn't ask you to do something to keep you from something. God's not asking you to do something to obey commands throughout His Scripture. And I'm not just talking about giving, I'm talking about any part of God's Word. They're not in there to keep you from something. They're there to provide for you and to protect you, to get you to something. That's what God is trying to do. When that happens and we find ourselves living apart from God's plan for us and not following His will, we have a tendency to live in a place of frustration. And and frustration often sacrifices our peace in the process. You want peace? You want hope? You want the life... Uh, giving power of God flowing through you, then we have to be aligned with Him so that that peace can flow through our lives and not frustrate the grace and the peace of God in the process. I was thinking about, as I was preparing for this message, with a coach that I used to have, and, and uh, he uh, was our basketball coach, but he loved to make us run. I mean, we ran all the time. We were, we were in shape for basketball like you would be in shape for track. And uh, he was just a maniac. That's all we did was run. And uh, we, would, we would say to him all the time, do we have to run today? And he would always say, absolutely not. Do you do not have to run? You get to run. <laughs> you don't have to, you get to. Can I just say that That doesn't really help? (laughs) It doesn't help. But here's what I want to help you with today is I don't want to focus on what we ought to do, what we're supposed to do, what we have to do. Rather, I want to focus on what we get to do. Because the get-to is much more freeing, and it is releasing in my life, and it is blessing, not pressure, not weight, not heaviness, and not all of these things that often accompany uh, commands that we we are preached preached to about. We want to connect with the life of Jesus, the relationship, not the religious side of it. And so today, let me give you just a few realities about giving, and then I'm going to get into my message this morning. Uh, Here's a few, here's three, actually, realities of giving that you may not know and and need to understand. Here's the first one. That 20% of the people in the church give 80% of the finances. Now think about that. 20% give 80% of the finances. Another 30% give... 20% of the finances. And 50% give nothing to support the church financially. Now let that simmer. Because here's what you have to understand when I say those numbers is that the church runs solely on giving. The church runs solely on offerings. We don't have a rich uncle that writes us a monthly check every week and says, are you covered? We don't have that. We don't have a government subsidy that comes... from. We definitely don't have that. And you would be surprised at how many people have approached us, especially being, since we've been here. We've had it more than anywhere. People approach us and they'll say, now how does the finances work in the church? Does the government give you a check or does uh, da-da-da-da happen? No. No. It simply comes from offering. We simply operate through giving. The facilities, the ministries, the staff are all paid through offerings. Now, here's the second reality: that low giving in the church stems from the fact that many people are simply afraid to give. They look at their bills, they look at their debts, and then they decide that they I can't afford to give. Betty in the in the video said she that was her struggle. I couldn't. I can't afford to give. I I, I don't have enough. There, God understands that, but she said you can't afford not to because she tapped into something that it takes faith to release the blessing of God in our life. And that brings me to the third reality, and that is this, that faith is not activated until acted upon. Faith is not activated or released until acted upon. In other words, giving requires faith. Well, that, that's not fun. Most of the things in God, all of the things in God's kingdom require faith. And so, is that a challenge? Absolutely. It would be easy if we didn't have to have faith to to believe God for His part. But it requires faith. Breaking the cycle of financial challenges requires faith. My faith will not produce for me until I act upon it. But when I act upon it, then God comes in on the scene And begins to change the situation. If I'm waiting for things to change before I trust the Lord with my finances, I'm going to be waiting forever. Faith goes first. And then the release of God's blessing comes, not the other way around. And so now that we've given you some realities for giving, let me give you some motivators of giving. And this is what I want to hone in on today. Remember the goal uh, today is to look at giving as a get-to, not as a have-to Thing. So the first motivator of giving is guilt. This is have-to giving. Who in this place today likes being motivated by guilt? Raise your hand. It's not fun. Nobody likes someone making them feel guilty and trying to move them to do something for them based on guilt. Now, if you've ever had a mother, you've probably dealt with some situations where you felt guilt. Guilt. Can I get a witness in the house today? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's some freedom just in, just in confessing, isn't there? It's true. Nobody likes to be motivated by guilt. Nobody likes to feel like you have to do something and feel compelled even when you don't want to. And every one of us have done things and have served other people's causes because we have felt guilty not to. But none of you did it happily. Not one person in this room ever did anything out of guilt and felt good about it. What you did was you might have smiled on the outside, but you were gritting your teeth on the inside. You were mumbling under your breath in the process. We don't want that to be a motivator for your giving. Remember when I said that things that motivate us should align with God's Word. Whatever it is that motivates us should align with God's Word. Guilt is not a quality utilized by the Master. You're not going to find anywhere in the Scripture where Jesus was motivating people through guilt. And so if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I don't want it in my life. Rather, it is a quality that is utilized by our enemy. And we don't want to do anything that He's promoting. Let's read what Paul says about this motivator in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This is what he says. He says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. We could mark that out and we could say not out of guilt. For God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you giving grudgingly. If somebody says, I have to do something... I'm struggling not to do that begrudgingly. And so are you. I don't want to do it because I have to over somebody making me do it. It's not because I have to do it, but because I desire to do it that I want to be motivated. God doesn't, listen, God doesn't want you to be an angry giver. And I've, I've talked to some of our, our, our uh, ushers and they're scared to pass the plate in front of some of y'all. there's just some angry givers. I mean, when the poor usher's walking down the aisle and he's going, something's not right. We don't want angry givers in the house today. That brings a whole new meaning to mad money, doesn't it? (laughs) Nobody likes an angry giver. That's why Jesus or Paul writes here and he says, don't give grudgingly or out of necessity, but give because you love the Lord and you desire to give. I'm not going to lie to you today. The truth is guilt does get an offering. I can get up here and I can paint pictures of poor starving children and all kinds of things, and I can guilt you into giving an offering, but it's going to be an angry offering. And you're going to leave out of here frustrated and not connecting to the life in it. And I want you to connect with the life and experience the power and the release of giving. Another thing that guilt giving does is it also pits people against its use. When you give because you have to, and out of compulsion, you get real critical of how money is used. That is bondage to both the giver, you, and the person appropriating the use of the funds in the process. And we don't want you doing that. We don't want you giving that way. The problem with giving out of guilt is it's just unbiblical. It's not right. It brings no joy and doesn't help people grow in the process. It's giving because I have to, and that does not bring freedom. The second motivator of giving is responsibility. This is ought to giving. Who likes to do something because they ought to do something rather than because they desire to? Nobody. Nobody likes to have to do or ought to do something. This approach feels better. It does feel better than guilt, I would say that, but at least because at least I'm not angry in the process, but I become an overwhelmed giver or an exasperated giver, and this is miserable too. It takes away the joy from giving. I'm giving not because of a desire to do so, but because if I don't, then who? Or if I don't, then what? And if I don't carry it upon my shoulders and, and, and take the, the weight of this upon my back, then who's going to... Responsibility is a great thing, and we need more responsibility in our world. But I'm just saying there's better motivators for giving rather than responsibility. We give out of freedom. We give out of desire. We give out of a love. Not because we are bearing the weight of a responsibility to do so. I'm not giving because I desire to, but because if I don't, then what's going to happen? This, listen, this creates a martyrdom approach. A martyrdom approach to giving. It's easy for me to be the one who saves the day. It's easy for me to be the one that if I don't do it, then what's going to happen? Listen, Jesus is the source for this church. And He's always been the source of this church. He's the source for my life. I don't look to you and say, God, if they don't give, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I say, God, if they don't give, you're going to have to come up with something. Because He's the source. And He always has been throughout our life. There's been times when we, we worked ministry positions and they didn't have money to pay, pay us. They, they literally did not have the funds to give us. But God has always worked it out and He's always come through for us. This is a means, not a source. Amen. No one individual can provide for the needs of this body, nor is one individual supposed to. God is the provider, not me. And when I consider myself a provider of something, I am in danger of falling under the illusion of self-sufficiency and that alienates my reliance on God. Knowing that it doesn't rest on me is liberating. And so let me just help you be liberated today. It doesn't rest on you. Now, all of us, especially those of us who understand those realities of giving that I share with you, understand that we share in the responsibility of the finances of the church. It is a burden in a sense that we all bear, but it's something we all bear. Giving because I ought to also limits the amount that I'll give. I only give what is necessary. And if we look back to 2 Corinthians 9... Again, it says don't give out of what? Out of necessity. When people give from a legalistic place, and that's giving because I have to or because I ought to, because it's required of me, that's giving out of a legalistic place. When we give out of that place, we can also get the attitude that I've done my part, and a negative attitude can easily develop in us, and we've got to guard against that. It doesn't allow us to connect with the life in the giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And if you read the context, Paul is specifically talking about giving. When he refers to this grace, he's referring to the grace of giving. The third motivator of giving is needs. This is want to giving. Second Corinthians 8.13 says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but in an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, and that there may be equality. If you'll read in Acts 2... What you'll find in the early church is that there was a sharing or this this commonality of materialistic goods. They they would share what each one had. They, They gave all to a common purpose. And that's what really God has called us all to do is to make sure that we are meeting the needs of the church as a group. If I have abundance, then I supply the lack of someone else. If I'm in lack, then I trust my family, my church family, to help supply that need as well. It's that the ch- needs of the church might be met. Knowing about a need often kindles the desire to provide the resource. When we truly know, this church has been phenomenal. About any time that we bring a need to you and we say, this is our issue, this is what, what we've got to take care of, this church has gone above and beyond. And so this church responds wonderfully to all of those things. Any time that I've let you know about a need, you're gracious to supply the finances for that need. We would all rather give because we want to. Giving to something that tugs at my heart is easy for me to do and I feel good about helping with that need, right? I mean, when somebody touches your heart, when you have a missionary come and he speaks to you about the children of Latin America and you're moved by that, it's easy to give to those things. This kind of giving brings a cheerful heart and it doesn't rely on compulsion To force people, and that's, we're getting away from the things that, that Paul warns us about. Here's the problem, though, with this kind of giving, is that oftentimes, if people don't approve or see the need, then they won't give. What are you talking about? I'm saying that the church has ongoing efforts that don't always tug at the heartstrings of people. I've never in my entire pastorate had anybody come to me and say, Pastor... I have just really felt led to pay the electric bill. Every time that air conditioning system kicks on, my heart is moved by that. <laughs> never have I had that happen. I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, you don't know what it does for me when I, change, when I, when I pay for the oil change in the van. <laughs> or when that broken toilet needs to be repaired and I have the opportunity. Nobody is moved by those things, but those are ongoing needs. And so the problem is sometimes we don't perceive the needs, we're not aware of the needs, and sometimes because of that we limit what God can do through that particular motivation. Want to giving is based on how I feel in a moment. It's And because it's based on a momentary feeling, it can be fickle and subject to fall short for the consistent challenges that face a church that is advancing forward. And this church is advancing forward. God is using us. So the fourth thing. The fourth motivator of giving is thanksgiving. This is can't help it giving. We're getting better. Paul indicates that it is good for a church to meet the needs of God's people. But he doesn't want them to stop with just this motivation. Giving is is a way of thinking and praising God. It is a part of your worship experience. It is a part of you saying, I submit this area of my life to God as well as all the other areas of my life. And I'm putting Him first here as well. And that is thinking and praising Him. It recognizes God as the source of your supply. And I mentioned source and means earlier, but I want to read to you an excerpt from the book uh, on page 8. It says this, Recognizing the difference between source and means can be tough. Our bank accounts, our abilities, our intellects are not the sources of our provision and blessings. They are simply the means by which God, the source, provides blessing. God provides our needs according to His riches. He uses the material resources of our world as the delivery system to care for His children, to experience abundance. We must first see Him as the source of every blessing. Listen, He is the source for your life. And if you'll recognize that, it makes it much easier to be thankful and it much, makes it much easier for me to release things into His hands because I trust Him to be the source of my provision. If he isn't your source, then he can't meet your needs. I'm going to say that again. If he's not your source, then he can't meet your needs. Because here's the thing with God is he won't share the title of being your source with anything else. And so if you think your job is your source, then God says, that's fine, let it be your source. I'm going to stand over here and I'm just going to see how that works out for you. He's kind of like Dr. Phil that way. Let's just see how that works out for you. (laughs) If you think other things in your life are your source, you're you're falling short of what the true source can do for you. And so we've got to put God in his rightful place. It feels good to give out of thankfulness. When we really truly give from a thankful heart, it, it, it is giving because I want to give, not because I can't. Uh, Not because just I want to give, but because I can't help but give because of what God is doing for me. It recognizes how God is at work in my life. It points our hearts in God's direction. It gives us a tangible way of showing our love and appreciation for Him. I've said this to you before and I'll say it again, that giving is the most tangible expression of your worship. It is. It's easy to declare Him God in your life when you're trusting Him with something that you have in your hand. It's it's a different deal when it's intangibles. But this is a tangible way of showing your love and appreciation for Him. Giving from a place of thankfulness also encourages others to focus on God's activity in their lives. It draws attention to where God is currently at work in your life and where He is working in His church. The struggle that we find in giving from thankfulness is simply this, that our measure of thankfulness is limited by our perception of thankfulness. And what I'm saying to you in that is that sometimes we are not as aware of the blessings of God as we ought to be, so we tend to not be as thankful as we ought to be. And if we are doing that, we can miss the joy of how God has blessed us because we're simply not paying attention. Now the last thing, the final motivator, the fifth thing, is giving from a place of worship. This is, it's my nature kind of giving. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5, Paul is referring to the Macedonian Christians and he says this, he says, Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. He's saying we saw a need. This, the Macedonian church was a poor church. They had no money. And there was a need that was brought before them. And Paul even says in the scripture, I was thinking about not letting them know because I knew they didn't have anything to give. And he said, and then we let them know, and suddenly we were overwhelmed by their sacrifice and their giving. He says, because they first gave themselves to the Lord, they trusted God as their source. They put Him on the throne as the object of their worship, and because of that, He was able to do more than any human would have dreamed possible through their lives. And he goes to the Corinthian churches, he's writing this letter, and he says, I'm challenging you to do what they did You're a blessed church. They're a poor church. And look what God has done through them. If God can use them, God can use you. Don't limit God this morning by your current condition. Don't limit God by what you currently have or what you currently hold in your hand. Don't limit Him that way. He is more than enough. He is a limitless God. And He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. Their giving flowed out of their relationship to the Father. And when it is your nature to give, giving becomes an act of worship. Giving not only is an act of worship, but it's also an act of trust. Because it puts our confidence in someone greater, and that person becomes an object of worship. What you deem, listen to me this morning, what you deem as your source will become an object of worship to you. What you deem as your source, as the source of your provision, will become an object of worship to you. First Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but rather in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. When we deem something as the source of our income, as our finances, of hope, of joy, of peace, that thing becomes uh, an object of worship in our life. And the only person that could sit on the throne uh, of your heart and of your life is Jesus Christ himself. Let's make sure that we've got him in the place of being our provider. Giving is also an offering to God. It is not an offering of money as much as it is an offering of obedience, of faith, of trust, and love. And So what I'm saying to you today is that if we're going to give and if we're going to be motivated to give, let that motivation be worship. Because I love the Lord. Because I care about what He's doing in His kingdom. And I want to be a part of that. I I recognize His activity in my life. And I want to honor Him as a result of that activity. So what's your motivation? We want worship to be that motivation in giving. It creates true commitment. It pleases God. It allows many things to be done because it connects us all to the Father. And He connects our giving to His activity. I'm going to ask Jennifer to come... or. Amber to come to the piano this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me all across this place today. And here's what I'm just... I want you to hear what I'm saying to you this morning in this. And that is if you give for any other reason than because you love God and His church, then you are, you are not connecting with the life that is promised to us in giving. And when we fail to connect with that life and giving, we give ourselves to legalism. And the release of God's favor and blessing do not come from that. They come through a relationship with Jesus Christ and giving out of a desire to worship and honor Him. Amen. Amen. And so here today, if you have never been a giver then I'm just encouraging you to start today. Begin to seek the Lord. Let God speak to you through this process. Nobody is telling you, trying to force you, trying to make you. What I'm trying to do is get you to a place where you understand there is a release of God's blessing in your life as a result of it. And so if you give for any other reason, just stop. Stop until you have the heart to give out of worship, and a desire to do so. So if you've never been a giver, then I encourage you to start today. See if God will not work in your life through your faithfulness. I could stand here, and I could give you testimony after testimony of how God has done just that for so many people. For for our own lives, I could give you multiple testimonies of how God has worked through our willingness to be faithful to Him in giving. Trust the Lord as your source and see if He won't show up in your finances as well as other parts of your life. Now, I would say to you, the rest of you, if you are a giver, then I just challenge you to continue to trust God with what you have and trust Him with more and more in the process. Steve said something to me a a while back that I thought was so good and it's something that I've kept in the back of my head. And he said, you know, I don't feel like God necessarily mandates that we give a tithe. But he said, I think that's a great place to start. And I would agree with that. We could argue day and night over what the Scripture requires for us in the New Testament. Here's one thing we can't argue, that there is a release of the blessing of God through giving to the kingdom. And if you give from a place of worship, I know God will show up in your finances and He will do more for you than you ever dreamed possible. See if you can outgive God because I promise you, you cannot do it. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, I want to just pray for you that God would bless you, that God would speak to you, and God would help you through this process. Father, we love you today and we thank you for your word that has been spoken. Lord, we trust that you are moving upon the hearts of the people, not to compel them or to force them or that the giving would come out of necessity, Father, but it would come from a desire to worship and to be thankful for what you have done in each and every one of our lives. We have nothing that you have not provided for us, Father. You are our source. And so we put you on the throne of our hearts. We put you central to every aspect of our lives, Lord, and finances is certainly a part of that. Lord, bless through this series. Open our minds and our ears, our hearts. And Father, help us to begin to release into your hands the blessing that you have given us so that we can in turn be a blessing to others. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. These we would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Texas. And as always, we encourage oh, you to come and experience life with us at me the river. more Till i found myself come to the